0: Law.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Charles Liu, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Jana Benamy. What up, Jana?
2: What up? How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. And we are The Future of Law, a show where we talk about topical issues inspired by the TV show The Men Who Built America and the relation and in relation with the law. What's going on?
2: So... Today's a super extra special episode where Charlie and I are just going to chat kind of like we did for our first episode, um, and update you guys on what we're working on since that's the feedback. And we're so excited to hear that you guys want to hear about what we're doing. And hopefully we can offer some tips along the way. Cause you know, Charlie's done a lot and, um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of room for learning and growth and all of that. So, um,
1: and we've got callers.
2: Oh, and we've got callers. We have uh, two fantastic callers uh, that we're really excited about.
1: Yeah, and they're going to be amazing. And they're incredible businesses and uh, incredible business people and businesses and definitely projects that people can learn from and I think probably get inspired by.
2: Yeah, totally. I I would agree with that. So to kick this off, we had our Forbes LA Business Council event last week. And it was fantastic. It was, it was out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, the first two that we did were fantastic, but, um, you know, hospitality is kind of sexy and people were really interested in, in hearing what the panelists had to say. And, and we had um, great
1: panelists. Great panelists. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was good. And it's very topical and it encompassed a lot of the questions that people are asking every day.
2: Yeah, so there was a lot of free legal advice, you know, and just seeing people get involved in the Q and A was really nice. And um, I I, we're getting so much traction. So if you're not already on our mailing list, guys, feel free to reach out to me at the Jenna Ben on Instagram. And so
1: and also. Some of these ideas came about today because people kept saying, hey, I want to call in and talk about this or I want to talk about that. So if you have any topics of discussion that you would like us to converse over or try to find an expert who could speak on them or mm. perhaps we can even speak on them depending how mundane and non-expert you need the <laughs> conversation to be, and I am definitely going to be your man. Um, but no, if you have a topic that you want to hear about or you want to hear more about, definitely let us know. Uh, And that's kind of where these two callers came in today just because people were curious about some of these questions and we just happen to have people and persons who could readily answer them. So feel free to shoot in questions.
2: Okay. So this is kind of out of the blue, but I was so amused by it when my buddy Clay Leach sent it to me. Charlie, check your text message right now. Um, Apparently there's this Uber driver that has been circulating a menu Uh, to his rides and um, this was recently on the news and the menu consists of the stand-up, where, you know, I tell you things that are funny to me at least from prison stories to poor life choices I've made. Don't get a lover's name tattooed on you ever. And then there's the silent ride and then there's literally nothing under that, that menu item. And then the therapy ride where you got something on your mind, let me help take it off. Talk to me. And um, there's a few more, that's but really
1: funny. The rude ride?
2: The rude ride. I'd be as rude as possible. <laughs> My favorite's the creepy. Yeah, And Clay sure. was like, yeah, creepy 100%. And Clay's like, I would look right back at him in the mirror.
1: <laughs> the creepy ride says, I don't say anything. I just look at you from time to time in the rearview mirror, all creepy-like.
2: Yeah, so good.
1: I love that. I,
2: I mean, I'm kind of bummed that I never got this menu. You
1: know what the sad part is? I've never obviously got this menu, but I think I've had all of these Uber drivers. <laughs> I've certainly had creepy people. Uh, you had
2: the rude remember that guy that picked you up from stout and he had to drop you off at um i think it was uh malibu and he like got mad. oh yeah
1: oh yeah i just driver (laughs) this is this is so incredible he picked me up from stout and when he saw where he had to go stout santa monica to malibu knowing the traffic going into malibu he was was so mad yeah he was so mad then he picks up a phone call, which I understand. I'm not sure, but I understand they're uh, they're not supposed to. Right. And he starts cursing at me in Spanish <laughs> to someone another to someone another line, and I was kind of laughing the whole time because he wasn't di- directly. It wasn't like he was cursing at me. He was cursing about the fact that he had to take me <laughs> right. to Malibu, and it was so far out of the way. And I felt horrible because it's such a super short ride. You know, it's like, it was like four and a half miles. So it cost, I think it was like nine bucks <laughs> <laughs> and it took the poor guy. It took him like, and I took 50 minutes and then I'm sure he was stuck in the same 50 minutes traffic. And oh then my God. when he stopped, he, he, I had this vision that like he could open the door and kick me out. Cause like <laughs> I, he, if he could have, he would have, but he was not happy. He spoke the whole entire time. Uh, to someone not their line and the whole time he was cursing. So (laughs) that was a good one. So
2: that would have been the rude ride. Oh, you did?
1: Yeah, I had an Uber driver that was definitely intoxicated.
2: That's crazy. Did you get in the car?
1: Yeah, well, I was already in the car when I realized (laughs) that he was intoxicated. (laughs) It was too late. Yeah, or he was just a really horrific driver. But this um, this looked uh, uh, too bad to just be a, a particularly bad driver. So... I don't know. I, I I don't know. Maybe he just was, um, you know, texting people or something. I don't know. But mm. it was it was definitely it was definitely a little scary. Like I was very very enthusiastic to leave the confines of his car.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I had a driver. Like we were. Uh, <clears throat> oh wait, I'll get back to that. We have a caller. Hi, caller. You're on air with the Future of Law with Charles Liu and Jenna Venemy. Who's this?
0: This is Robert Davis. Hi, Robert. All right. Thanks for calling in. Well, hello there, Charles.
1: What's up? How are we doing?
0: We're doing great. We're doing great. How are you feeling?
1: I'm wonderful. I am better than I was uh, last week when I didn't make our Chicago trip. So I heard it was amazing. So, Robert, before we jump in, why don't you give everybody uh, uh, one minute on you and what you do and how we're all involved and uh and then we'll dive in with some questions because what you do is particularly interesting and uh and truly one of these individuals who uh loves what they do and does what they love and and lives what they love so why don't you jump in and say hi to everybody
0: well hello everybody my name is robert davis and i'm very honored to uh to be speaking uh uh, with Charles this evening, and I've got, uh, I guess, 40 years of experience in kind of uh, uh, evolutionary food design, and um, it basically stems from the fact of uh, a lot of work I've done early uh, in reference to uh, my graduate degree in planetary development. How are we going to get from point A and to point B as a culture, I started back in 1979, starting one of the first tofu companies in the United States called Light Foods, and became enamored with the concept of making a difference, and how could we take something like a soybean, which was relegated at that point in time, primarily for oil and cattle feed, and turn it into a food whereby we could feed people. And now we're at a point, as I've been involved in uh, this industry for over 40 years, at looking at some real short timelines in reference to making some major changes in reference to how we live on this planet based on addressing a, a $9.7 billion, or, or nine, 90.7 billion, 9.7, excuse me, billion uh, people being on the planet by 2050 with a 70% caloric deficit requirement. How are we going to feed 9.7 billion people? So you've got the answer uh, for that,
1: right, Robert? Pardon? I said you actually have the answer for how we're going to feed these people.
0: I do. I have one of the answers. There's many solutions. And as you know, at this point, it's really a team sport. It's a team sport if we're going to get through this. But looking at uh, all the variables as far as based on a 5% increase in, in global temperatures, and uh, nitrogen depletion of the soil uh, for arable land um, and having somehow how to make up this deficit. Uh, we, we know it's not going to happen with uh, with beef and poultry. Um, we know it's not going to happen even with the conventional grains and beans. But the one thing that is the shining light at this point in time is really hemp. And uh, that has been my focus over the last seven years. Um, I go back, I developed the first hemp cheese, I developed the hemp line of uh, hemp milk and hemp ice cream, and, uh, but was really interested in the center plate because I felt that that was really, you know, the answer to feeding a lot of people. So uh, I developed a line of burgers and sausages and jerky, and uh, I'm so honored to have your involvement in this as well, Charles.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about how you and Charlie actually know each other. You are partners on what company?
0: It is called Planet Based Foods. Planet Based Foods. And
2: you're working on a hemp burger that is going to be released soon. Is that right?
0: It is. We're looking at about two to three months right now before we initiate our first launch.
1: And it's incredible, by
2: the way. I keep hearing about this incredible hamburger and I'm so jealous because I still have not been able to try it but you know being vegetarian I'm I'm really excited about it.
0: And the product. Well,
2: you know it,
0: Go ahead, Robert. Th- this is no th- this is the time. This is the time with the growth obviously of plant-based foods and plant-based meat alternatives and you know, we've had some great leading companies with Impossible and beyond meat with their with their bleeding burgers, and the interesting thing about our burger it 's guaranteed not to bleed mm. it's guaranteed not to that's bleed. one' it's, well.
1: like, it's funny, Robert, so you mentioned that that 's one of the things that first attracted me to what you're doing so when I first met Robert, uh, his son is a friend of mine through another very very close friend and uh robert can can you say how old you are? Is that permitted on air mm.
0: Oh, it, it it is. I'm I'm about twenty five in spirit and sixty five chronologically. <laughs> okay, so right.
1: sixty five chronologically. When you see Robert, because we're going to have Robert in the studio at a, a subsequent point, he really looks uh, incredible. Like he mm-hmm. he is one of those uh, walking billboards for someone that says if you want to live a certain lifestyle and live to be 100 and look healthy the entire time you're doing it, this guy is, is, is a, a walking billboard. So
2: So I you mean, practice really, what you preach.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, I think, part, part of my general nature, and particularly being around uh, as much uh, of, of the evolving food market and uh, development that I've, I've been so blessed to participate in, it becomes a lifestyle choice. And I think, in general, as we move forward, we're going to be able to embrace more and more of a holistic uh, plant-based lifestyle that I think will uh, offer a lot of benefits to individuals uh, as they age. So, and it's 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 an exciting time. It's in a challenging time, and the one thing that we're really committed to at Planet Based Foods is feeding people because we have such need. Based on, I think we're looking at uh, amazing numbers uh, in in reference to the hunger in this country and what we can really do about it. I think we're looking at close to, I think I've got my my notes here on uh, the people that, uh, let's see here, we're in a, I think around uh, 50 million Americans go hungry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's,
1: that's a number I'm kind of familiar with. And one of, one of our charities is um, uh, Project Paper Bag, where we go downtown and we hand out paper bags filled with food and socks. Mm -hmm. And, toiletries and whatnot to the people on Tent Row, the individuals who are on Tent Row in downtown Los Angeles. And I think that's something we've touched on, Robert, and um, and you just really have to go down there and see it and see uh, how lit up people get when they actually get something of substance to, to put in their stomach. So, you know, this sounds like a, a problem that's uh, relegated to other countries or, or at the very least the less affluent cities and states but it's not it's literally in our back door so when you kind of mention this stuff and you reference it it's, it's definitely music to our ears. We have
0: it.
2: Um, Robert, where ahead. can consumers find your products?
1: Nowhere yet.
2: No, so none of none of the pre-existing products are available either. Not
1: yet. Okay. We're, we're 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 almost there, right Robert?
0: Yes, we're we're, we're very very close. We're very We've close. Not- Probably about two and a half months uh, out before our initial launch. And, uh, again, we've got, uh, we're have got we looking at, a, again, a sustainable jerky product. It's uh, shelf-stable, and we can ship anywhere and does not require refrigeration. But our first focus is going to be on the burger. And we're talking about feeding people. We have a two-for-one program. For every two burgers sold, we will be gifting to those in need one burger. So it's going oh, to be an I exciting program. It's going to be an exciting program, and it's something that we want to try to create as a catalyst company at this point in time to inspire other companies, particularly natural food companies or any company that's offering quality food, to go out and start feeding people because there's so much need. Sixteen million children go so hungry. It's, it's, and our food waste is the other issue where we look at 30 to 40 percent of the food we produce in the United States is ultimately thrown away. So we we really want to be informationally positive to say, yes, we can make a change and we can work through this. But again, as I mentioned, it's a team sport. And hopefully we can be inspirational enough to, again, catalyze individuals and companies to kind of join, what we're doing, and really make a difference. It's a
1: it's a movement, Robert, which which we it love. Is. And, and yeah. I have one quick question for you. So sure. you really are, you know, and I, I had the opportunity and the, the gift of getting to hear your whole entire story, which we don't have the time for today, but you really are a pioneer in this space. And one of the questions I had, and this is certainly not to demean any of the other products or sure. or um, or shine a, uh, our light, on our product as hemp, as a better product. But if you could just touch for a minute, what was the the conscious choice uh, with your experience and your uh, knowledge base that brought you to the understanding or at least the belief that the hemp product was superior to, say, again, a a soy, which you mentioned was one of your first projects that you worked on?
0: Yes, well, it was uh, obviously something that evolved over time because it was... uh, uh, soy was kind of the first, uh, the first entree into the natural foods market for myself, and, and it was something that I was I was blessed to meet Bill Shirtlift that wrote the book of Tofu and the book of Miso, and he became a friend and really inspired me along those lines, and as time went on, uh, it became clear that soy really wasn't going to be the answer, and uh, I was very fortunate to uh, to meet a a dear friend, Richard Rose, who is also one of the pioneers of the hemp industry. And I I worked with Richard for a while, and that's who I developed the first hemp cheese for. And at that point, uh, it became clear that this really is a mana. It's a blessing for the planet in all of its permutations. As you know, there's medical elements, there's industrial, building material elements, and there's now a food element that we really want to bring to the forefront. Based on its ability to grow in varied climates, up to 110 degrees, hemp can grow. And as the climate changes, this is really going to be one of our mainstay opportunities to feed people into the future. And we only have a short window, perhaps 10, maybe 15 years at best, to really make some critical changes, and we really want to be pioneering and actually be at the forefront of information dissemination, so we can feed people and illumine individuals to the opportunity of a plant-based diet, but particularly looking at hemp as the cornerstone of that diet.
1: Wow! And and look, I, we really appreciate that, and I think you know you do such a good job and such a passionate job of explaining to or explaining to myself in, in, a, in a simple manner, uh, the, all of the benefits and the positives of, of hemp. And, and, and again, the great thing is you do it without demeaning other products. In fact, you have a very inclusive uh, message, which yeah. I which really to appreciate.
0: Be inclusive. Yeah, it has to be inclusive. And, and we have to all care for each other at this point moving forward. And we really want to be a lighthouse, of information for that as, uh, as our MO, so to speak.
2: Um, okay, Robert, you have been wonderful before we let you go. I just wanted to ask you, um, this is more for me because I haven't tried the product and I would imagine that a lot of our listeners, you know, kind of don't know what to expect from a, a hemp burger. I was chatting with my buddy Chad who owns state social house and he's redoing his menu. And I had mentioned this, this, this company of yours. And he was like, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I heard that those products actually taste like weed and people don't like them. Is that the case?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, there's lots of stories I could go into. I developed the first tofu hot dog years and years ago. So I, I, have been through a lot of tastings and a lot of expectations and, you know, it's, it's, it's a product that, that works is what I can say. You put it on a bun. It's got such a wonderful flavor, and it almost emits an energy when you eat it. So you know, it's something that's very, very, uh, let's say, user friendly mm. as as a as a burger. And uh, again, I, I look forward to you tasting it. I look forward to you Me tasting <laughs> the, so- the sausage, the sausage is wonderful, and we've got a wonderful taco filling. And it just it's exciting to have such such a good flavored product that is so nutritional and really represents an opportunity for planetary success. And that's what we're all about. It is about all of us and we are about the we.
2: Awesome. Love it. Robert, Robert thank thanks. you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Always. Thanks for being truly a pioneer and plant based. Uh, consumables and um, really for having such a positive message, it's an honor to have you. And we will see you soon. I will see you all soon, right. and we'll be eating hamburgers soon.
3: Yeah,
0: I, send me some samples. We, we absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's an honor, both of you. I'm 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 very thankful. And Charles, thank you for all your work and your 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 attention to the positives in life. And. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm honored to have you as as a partner in this. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Robert. Talk
0: Thanks, soon.
2: Robert. All right.
1: Bye
0: bye. Take care. Bye bye.
2: What a nice guy. So
1: good. When you see him, you're gonna trip.
2: You know what I love <clears throat> though is his passion for the product. Yeah. And it's it's a product that's like not hurting anyone. You no. know.
1: No, no. It's not only is it not hurting, it's one of those things that addresses so many different critical points of discussion. So we all sit around, we talk about overconsumption of animal products from an uh, ecological or, or environmental perspective, negative impact, and then we talk about health impact, and then we talk about obesity and obesity going towards uh, increased health care costs and all of these different things. So you're talking about truly one, um, one aspect of, of your well-being, right, what you consume, you're eating, that affects so many different aspects of life. Yeah, right. And then that's not even getting into, you know, the reduction of, of animal products and the, the emissions, the the gases and emissions from the animals and everything else. That yeah, affecting
2: the environment, right?
1: Exactly. So even just the the initial and immediate uh, positive outcome for your personal health is, is huge. And then you can trickle that down in so many different directions.
2: Yeah. And I love the donation aspect. I didn't even know about
1: that. I love it. So, so for the listeners, that was kind of a a good example of a business idea or or a concept that was brought to us, uh, not long ago. And I kind of looked at it and thought there, there is just nothing here that is, anything but incredibly positive the Mm -hmm. whole concept was was awesome I got immediately inspired I met Robert you can feel the energy and it's it was just all good
2: okay so since we're on the subject of food I mean there's all these things happening between um stout opening at the Kempton Hotel in Palm Springs and then you actually have a a tv show coming out can we talk about that or is it like about it we can't it's too hush hush
1: we can't really talk about it but on a very positive note for myself, it is coming out this year.
2: That's really exciting it because exciting. you know how these things go—that they don't always come through. But I know that there's been tremendous effort, and just in the short time that I've known you, um, you've been approached quite a few times. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be cool to see you on on the yeah. screen.
1: It'll be judging based. Well, we'll we'll leave it at that. You're good at judging. I'm, I'm just I'm kidding. you
2: no Charlie is the least judgmental person I'm that I have to Very judgy wudgy. <clears throat> not
1: even um but it'll be fun and and obviously as uh as we get a little closer we'll definitely talk about it a little more i'm always uh opposed to talking about tv because it seems a lot of times these things get to the the little 11th hour and then in the 12th hour they just somehow or another fall off the television so
2: yeah.
1: i'm always a little skeptical but this uh this looks as real as anything can be in in la la land, in la la
2: land. yeah yeah so that's
1: good so i'm excited and then we'll be able to, you know, talk about all kinds of interest in new food products and um, new consumables and and new beverages and probiotics and and all this stuff that we're focused on and and really excited about the growth of in the future.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm educating myself more and more. My sister's really good about sending me messages from Instagram, you know, about like celery juice. Like I brought in celery juice today, which is really good. Such such nutritional benefits and um it kind of tastes like carrot juice oddly did you get that too a little bit yeah yeah and it's it's definitely salty yeah. which is interesting that that celery actually salty, has a lot yeah. of salt in it but apparently it's like the right type of salt um
1: that was how i broke my fast today was your celery oh juice. really yeah
2: that's the way you're supposed to do it that's supposed to be the first thing you have in the morning and there's something about celery juice on its own, instead of mixing in other vegetables that's supposed to do something for the body. I'm not like too well-versed in it, but I know that I'm a little under the weather and I've now had two servings and I'm actually hanging on and I feel strong, so. So it's good. So yeah, get a get a a, a juicer guys and get your celery on.
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely good.
2: Um, Do you think, by the way, that Chris Bonbright over at Gracias Madre and Cafe Gratitude will carry the hemp food burger, the patty?
1: We're going to make Chris and Lisa.
0: (laughs) He's so great.
1: We're going to ask them very, very nicely. So Chris and Lisa Bonbright are amazing, amazing individuals who own Gracias Madre and Cafe Gratitude with their partners. And we would be honored to be there because it's such a great, great venue.
2: Okay, we're going to jump back to that. I got a caller. Hey, caller, you're on air with Charles Liu and Jenna Benemy on the future of law.
3: Hello, it's Brian Esposito. How are you guys doing?
2: Hi, Brian. So nice to talk with you. We're great. How are you?
3: Doing fantastic. Thanks for taking my call. I'm so excited. Do I get a t shirt? You get something out of this?
2: (laughs) Yes, we'll get you some promo materials.
3: You get a
1: t shirt, Vespo, and you get a bottle of Azunia Black Tequila. Yes.
0: Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa.
1: Only, only the best, only the best for you, my man.
3: Uh, thank you, pal. Right back at you guys. Yeah,
1: What's going on? What are you doing? So, so Brian, give, uh, give the listeners a, uh, I'm not going to, uh, have you go into the encyclopedia of uh, <laughs> sure. items and actions that you're involved in. So give them a 30 second cut sheet of who you are and what you do and, and how we know each other.
3: Absolutely, Uh, Brian Esposito. My uh, I started my my path in this wonderful world that I'm in with the beauty industry. 18 years of that, and 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 then I use that.
1: You are a very beautiful man. Well, you know
3: (laughs) that's. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you can't see it, but the blood thing is. I just had so to throw that right in.
1: Now. So you started in the beauty, <laughs> you started in the beauty industry, and you obviously used all your products. And then what?
3: Use <laughs> so, no, you never use your own supply. That that applies right now in the cannabis space. So you got to learn that right off the bat. Gotcha. But what I what I did was uh, I used that as a kind of a, a, a foundation to see what I really wanted to do and what I love to do. So. From that, we built uh, a tech company, a music and entertainment company. We got involved in restaurants and hospitality. So what, what, what accumulated over 18 years was uh, a holding company of a north of 13 companies. Uh, so present day, they got acquired into a public general partnership. So that, that company, uh, we built hotels. We have uh, aviation, space, maritime, heavy and medium technology and we also operate in oil, gas, and energy. Uh, we have a separate holding company of all of our crypto and cannabis assets because current SEC laws and federal banking don't really allow them to commingle. mingle but uh, Cinderella's story, when they can, we, we, we anticipate merging all those assets into our umbrella holding company.
1: So Brian, and, um, you, like, a lot of times people say to me, and they'll say, you have such a diverse portfolio of projects and assets, and." And companies, I mean, you really, really have like this A to Z diversity where you have businesses. I, I, I feel like for the most part, there's some relation and interrelation between my businesses, but you start talking about one business and then you'll call me two days later and talk about <laughs> a business on on mm. really the other side of the world, uh, literally and figuratively. And there seems to not be a real correlation between them, which always reminds me of the Steve Jobs quote where he says, you know, looking forward, I could never have seen where I would be. But looking backwards, it's easy to connect all the dots. Do you feel like your businesses are related? Do you feel like there's those commonalities between them? Or do you just pick them based on your interest or passions or opportunity?
3: Sure. Well, it, it really started as a way to diversify the single company I had. I'm very employee-centric, and I looked, I looked at that beauty company, for example, and, and we were rocking, but nothing's guaranteed and nothing's forever. So I started to look inside that company on what, what can we do to diversify and, and maintain the safety of my employees and growth. I never wanted to ever cut someone's hours or, or have to let them go because we're slow. So that was the original concept. And they, they do all co and feed off of each other. Uh, what I've learned, my biggest asset is I, I believe I'm, I'm a true connector. I can, I can think of somebody that I met 12 years ago waiting for a plane that I meet somebody today, and that's the reason for that, those two meetings. Uh, so what I've really tried to harness over the last few years is not only connecting the right people, but connecting the right people at the right time. And that's what I've been perfecting my skill at. Uh, I, I will put my time and 100% of my energy into, into anything that I believe in, but there has to be an add value, an end game where it makes sense. Uh, the good thing about the public company, it kind of pleases me because our entire uh, structure, we're, we're, much, we're run much like a Berk, Berkshire Hathaway or Brookfield Capital where we generate a 7% coupon to our LP holders. So that gives me, you know, that that makes me not be the kind of pie in the sky, always thinking positive approach where now I have to really make sure that those efforts, that investment, that acquisition has to make money and it has to maintain our credit rating, uh, allow our assets to be leveraged to the fullest capacity. So now I'm in a space where I have to be a little more careful. Uh, I kind of hate that, but I love that at the same time because it just makes sure I'm making the right decisions that will ultimately be profitable for our investors and our partners.
2: Brian, I got to say, um, you are one of the most supportive people I've ever met. And I really appreciate that about you. I know that you're kind of watching our growth and I just wanted to give you a little bit of a shout out and that I would imagine you are a really great boss because you're so considerate of other people's feelings and you're constantly uplifting and, and, um, you know, that's special in a world where everybody's kind of, focused on, um, you know, digital stuff and their phones and there's not as much communication and interpersonal support, I think that that should really be acknowledged and, and kind of promoted.
3: Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I think we're all put on this place to help one another. Uh, if, if we're not, it doesn't make sense. Uh, you need money to survive. You got to pay your bills. But I, I, that never was a real tangible thing in my mind, as crazy as that, as that sounds. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy bringing assets and, and, and add value to whatever they want to do. And if they invite me to the table to do that, I, um, I cherish that opportunity because they're giving me their time. And even on my site, I've been preaching this forever, time is our most precious commodity. And until people really start to live that way and understand that, um, they're on the wrong path. Um, that's you know my opinion to each their own. I don't judge anybody, but uh, you have to appreciate the people you're around and you have to make sure you give them ultimate respect and, and, and attention. And I appreciate you acknowledging that because, um, you know, it um, just means a lot to me. So thank you for that.
1: Bespo, not your biggest business. What's your what's your most fun, passion business? Like, mm-hmm. what do you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get a call or make a call or send an email on this particular business? Quick, quick, quick thought. Mm-hmm. Just give it to us. Don't y- think y- about it.
3: No, no, that would be nodal. And that's how Charles, you and I met was um, my Passion had, has been for the last eight years, connectivity, offering a, a network for devices and people to connect and communicate with each other that are unreliant of any Wi-Fi or cell tower. Um, immediately became aware of that during 9-11 when those towers went down. There was no communication whatsoever. If you didn't have a next cell push to talk radio, you were not communicating with anybody mm. at that scene. And I, and I bring it up, um, not that it was a terrible moment in our, in our country's history, but if you look at today, we have not come anywhere when it comes to communication. If there's a storm, a blackout, some sort of uh, an event that brings down a tower or a network, these very expensive phones in our pocket are, are just rocks. They're not you can't working. can't connect and communicate. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's, so that's
1: nodal. That, so I remember I met with you actually about that. That was the first thing we, we discussed.
3: That really? was, yeah this yeah. is this is the next evolution it was uh it was a different um vision it was that, that initial concept was was based around live venues and connecting people at a at a music show and uh my goal was to prove that people buy music and they'll buy it at a live venue
1: that was really uh, so, but, cool Okay, Brian, next question. I, well, we're going to yeah, fire go another one at you. So that that's your passion. You wake up in the morning, you're like all, all Nodal, right? It's a Nodal all world. Nodal, nodal, all Nodal. Right. and I um, got to
3: just um, real quick. Yeah. Nodal co-founders are Misha Bignolet and uh, Garrett Kinsman. Misha is the founder of fire Chat, and this is... Uh, this is the next project that I was invited into and honored to be part of that team.
1: Not to be confused with Fire Island. Cause I just watched both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no,
3: <laughs> this, is, this is real. This uh, is a real good, deal. Holy. Good.
1: <laughs> I, Cause I feel like everybody's going to avoid that word now, like the plague, but um, okay. So <laughs> that's your quick, passion project that's cool what's your quick uh change the world project what are you doing that would be for the betterment of mankind so we just got off the phone with our friend robert who has planet-based foods who has made the most incredible burger you could ever imagine and he's doing it you know really really truly from this altruistic space of of um betterment of society in the world and kind of one love and and when you meet him which you will you'll you'll see it and feel it so what's your making the world better place company
3: Oh, that's amazing. Um, well, right now, the, what we're doing with primary ocean producers, that's uh, Brian and Scotty Schmidt, we have a tremendous plan and partners in place to develop and roll out aqua farms, which we will be supplying the the global f- seafood demand about 10 to 20 percent over the next 50 years. So there's wow. a tremendous play here. The uh, These facilities are, tr- are just extraordinary. We have uh, invited NASA, Nemo uh, Aquanaut dr. Marco Grisa into that mix where we'll be offering underwater sea research and um, and experiences all all attached to, to media uh, media is crucial in everything that we do because that component not only builds awareness but allows you to push out whatever that message is capitalize on that and to, and to keep those efforts going right uh, so the biggest impact I think you know God willing that I'll have have on a global global footprint would be what we're doing for for the seafood industry and it all ties back to nodal because we're going to be tracking every little fin and where it goes and 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 during that journey right to the customer or, or the um, the food and beverage establishments destination
1: so cool now last question for you and so you're already a, a rich in spirit and rich in happiness <laughs> person what is your business that's going to make you richer numerically than, yeah, than us? Yeah, Teach us. Yeah, yeah. Some of the listeners want to hear about some capitalistic ideas. So, so what is it that's going to make your your rich, enriched life monetarily more comfortable?
3: Yeah, that'll be what, everything that we're doing with the uh, the public company. My partner there is uh, George White. Charles, I believe you you've spoken with sure. George uh, on the phone multiple times. Uh, what, what we're doing with our hotel development partners around the globe is just monstrous. There's roughly $6 billion on the balance sheets already in assets, all, all uh, fully audited and, and reported by Markham, our financial services arm. So that's a monster. We, we do projects that we say have to move the needle. Um, so there's going to be just non-stop acquisitions, mergers that that keep the the top line revenues humming there, but more importantly they they're spinning out some very juicy coupons and dividends for our our LP holders. And that's um it's a it's a wealth preservation and wealth enhancement model uh made for our internal partners that that we're offering out to the to the public world to to be part of with us.
1: A uh, bespoke where can people hear about you, read about you, see see your
3: Website, yeah. your
1: Instagram, like how how can someone uh, get a get a piece of your brain?
3: It would it would typically be I, I use LinkedIn a lot um, and Twitter. I, I I've pivoted away from social media. I've, I've gotten more private in my life over this chat during this chapter. Mm. Um, one of the reasons being, and Charles, you were kind of part of that journey with me. Uh, you let the wrong people in your inner circle, and it can really just disrupt everything that you're building. I, I've unfortunately went through that. Yeah. And um, trying to be smarter, wiser, but at the same time not wake up bitter and uh, and hate the world. And that that was that has been tough. And to go back to what you were saying, Jenna, that's, um, I appreciate you saying that my spirit is still there. It's not 100% what it used to be, but I, I fight to, to keep my, my core values um, humming. So I appreciate you bringing light to that, that they're still shining through.
1: How can people find you on LinkedIn?
2: Yeah, his name isn't it's, actually Bespo, just <laughs> pointing that out. <laughs> Brian Esposito.
3: Bespo <laughs> is Brian, way better. Uh, thank you. I pre- <laughs> that was my baseball name. So when you say it, Charles, it brings me back. I nice. appreciate that. Um, Brian J. Esposito I use everywhere, LinkedIn and Twitter. I, I respond to everybody. I'll take anybody's call, text, or email. And I always try to reciprocate people's questions in time with the best that I can. Very cool.
2: You're wonderful, Brian. We appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for calling in, and we You're will wonderful. chat with you offline.
3: Yeah, I need to give you my address for that T-shirt. So uh, yeah, reach back out <laughs> we'll tonight. get them
2: printed. We're still <laughs> playing around with the logo, believe it or not, but we're close.
3: We're close. Fantastic, and, uh, guys, and, I appreciate and In the
1: interim, Vespo, I'm going to have a, uh, a little tequila for you, but I will save you some. Yes, please. please. <laughs> thank thank you. All right, my man. Thank you so uh, much right. for calling in.
3: Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Talk All right, bro. You, you too. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.
2: I love him. It's so good. He's literally so positive. All yeah. of our posts, you know, getting a radio show started is interesting, especially when we don't really have a media background. But he's been wonderful. And, yeah. And just that constant, like, positive light. Yeah. You know, I think he's listened to every us.
1: episode and texts me after them. Yeah. And hits us on LinkedIn. And it, especially the first one, you're like, well, maybe – he might be the only listener. Right.
2: <laughs> no, it's been, I mean, we've been really lucky. No,
1: we've been great. And and I guess that would be a good opportunity to thank all the listeners. We've been uh, pleasantly surprised by the number yeah. of people who are tuning in uh, to listen to us ramble on. So <laughs> all I can say is thank you. It's, uh, it's you know, it's just a pleasure and an honor to get to come on and ramble on and have people actually hit us after uh, with positive responses to our ramblings. So thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. We're having so much fun with it. So that being said, this is the future of law, and we're always asking our guests about the future of their industries. Let's share with the guests what you see in your future, say 10 years out, given that you know, you've know you come a long way from being a bouncer to you know this big real estate guy and then losing everything and then rebuilding and then, becoming this restaurateur and like successful lawyer and now you have so many other businesses that are outside of law and hospitality so where are you headed
1: i would like the idea of staying in this future of uh futurist realm this futurist uh Focus and core focus. I think it's it's everything from what you just heard Robert talk about to the essentially the future of food and the future of consumption, and <clears throat> not just uh, planet-based necessarily, but the health, the feeding the people, anticipating this global population boom, and looking at it, and and going back to what we kind of talk about and what the show premise of the show was focused on is that we know the population is. Uh, absent some catastrophic event, the population is going to grow astronomically over the next 10, 15, 20 years. So how do we plan for that? How do we address that in the future? Mm -hmm. How do we look at the laws that work for a United States with 360 million people and then contemplate those same laws working for United States with 450 million people? And then how do we look at 50 million people who are starving or are not sufficiently fed and contemplate feeding another 90 million people on top of that. So right. so I think that's uh, an area of focus for me. And then the stuff we've already touched on, obviously, like the autonomy, autonomous driving and the cannabis and uh, the applications, you know, the iPhones and the integration of the iPhones, uh, with us you know these mm-hmm. these cybernetic uh, these, these unions of, of man and machine or woman and machine right so I think all of this is is so applicable to law and what we're talking about and um, you know just very very fortunate to be at Loyola again yeah but they let me think about wacky stuff like that and get creative and not only did they let us get creative but the Dean, uh, Dean Waterstone, who we're going to have so as a great. guest, yes. he's amazing. I mean, he's, he's actually
2: coming on, uh, I want to say mid-March.
1: So cool. And yeah, that'll be dynamic. To late March. Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible human being. And uh, not only is he uh, have the foresight to uh, be guiding the law school in the direction that uh, enables it to be successful in the future, but he's also empowering and granting of powers to the people around him and the faculty and our board of directors to give them the opportunity to not only prepare the the law school and assist with the law school, but even prepare themselves for the future and the future of law.
2: Yeah, I think it's so cool that he's so progressive. And when you go to your meetings, he's so supportive and um, just allows you to kind of dive in.
1: No, he's amazing. Actually, the whole law school, his entire board of directors has been Uh, entirely supportive and actually i'd like to give them all a a real shout out because they've been great and they've been very welcoming to me and um Mm -hmm. you know it's this very very esteemed group of people this incredible group of really truly some of the best lawyers in the entire country and then i'm stuck in the middle of it so it's been really really enriching to be a part of this of this truly esteemed group of lawyers and uh and learn from them and maybe even once in a while and an in an odd manner teach them something.
2: Okay. So I, you know, I love that side of you. You're really good at giving back and thinking about how <clears throat> to help everyone, people, the environment, animals. But just like you asked Brian, what do you think your number one moneymaker is going to be? Well, <clears throat> I
1: think the restaurants are, are successful and, and I, and i pray and cross my fingers and continue to work that they will continue to be successful but i Mm -hmm. think you know we're focused on the law firm and we're focused on a couple applications which i think the tech uh the opportunities in tech as everybody know are are massive so Mm -hmm. i think if you're not working on some kind of technology or some technological aspect to your business if you're not sitting looking at a problem and trying to figure out Um, how to address that problem and how to fix it from a tech-based perspective, then you're kind of potentially missing the boat. So I think we all have to do that. So a great example was uh, our former guest, Laura Law. Yeah, with her app. With her app about, you know, it's over easy. So that was a, a real problem that she addressed, which was, uh, the majority of the population can't afford her to be their divorce lawyer. Right. Right. So she ad- she identifies the problem that their divorce is too expensive and too costly, too time-consuming, too costly in, in every way, emotionally, financially, um, chronologically. Yeah. Uh, and then she says, okay, let's figure out an app that expedites the whole process and makes it financially um, feasible mm-hmm. and probably to a large degree makes it, emotionally uh, manageable manageable yes, yeah, exactly. I
2: agree
1: and so I love that so that's a perfect example so I think you know we've got some other clients which we will probably have on in the next couple of weeks who have a really really interesting app uh, that is IP based which is going to be a game-changer It's going to disrupt mm-hmm. really disrupt the intellectual property and how intellectual property is filed and uh, recorded and just the workings of the intellectual property lawyers as a whole. So I'm really excited about that. And um, yeah, I think you've got to be app-focused, technology-focused. I think your your mousetrap has to be digital.
2: So speaking of, let's talk about Veritil then.
1: So Veritil is super exciting. So obviously we had some really, really great news. So Veritel, for the people that don't know is a regulated industry audit system. So essentially what it does is it monitors um, the sales and dispensing of cannabis from legal cannabis dispensaries. So it's a POS agnostic app, uh, POS for people that don't know is point of sale system. So mm-hmm. that's the thing that you see people typing on when you go to a restaurant or a bar. So our technology plugs into that app and real time monitors Um, And audits every single sale from the cannabis dispensary and sends that information to the city attorney, the city manager, the police department, the city council, whoever it is that would have an interest in knowing the exact tax revenues that are coming in from cannabis, which is is very timely because obviously it's a buzzword in the Mm -hmm. country right now. And I think the cities are having some trouble figuring out how to monitor the sales of something that up until a very, very short time ago wasn't legal. Right. So we're really excited about Veritone. Just had a huge meeting last week. Yes, let's talk about
2: the progress. Well,
1: the progress is we actually just got our first city signed on. Yes. So I can't mention the city. I probably could, but I'm always paranoid. Yeah, err on the side of
2: caution. I'm
1: very cautious, yes. So we won't mention the city, but we just got the first city, which was really the – that was kind of the moat around this being um, a a truly feasible company because Mm -hmm. we could sit there and have people tell us all day, wow, that's such a great idea, but we needed – A city or a municipality to look at it understand it and say I get it you're going to replace x number of auditors or accountants with this one uh, computer program this one application that's going to do it entirely more efficiently quicker more accurate and from a from a technology perspective which is really exciting it's going to allow the cities and the municipalities to actually do some predictive modeling as to their future tax revenues so the city can sit there and say oh we did this and this and this just with a a standard uh, yearly increase of say 3 or 4 or 5 or 7% whatever the city dictates yeah. or, or believes that percentage increase will be the city can sit and look and and have a really Uh, accurate idea of where their next taxable or what their next taxable income will be on cannabis. So we think it addresses a lot of issues. We think it takes some of the the fear that the cities and the general population has with cannabis. And we think it also allows the cannabis dispensary owners to operate in a non-invasive environment, which Mm -hmm. is very important because at the end of the day, these ladies and gentlemen are going to be paying huge amounts of taxes that the city needs and the municipality needs. Mm-hmm. So we certainly don't want to be an impediment to their operation or their businesses. We want to support, and we believe Veritel supports and
2: kind legitimize. of it. Yeah, you're just about to say. It's just about to say it. No,
1: it's. <laughs> I think so, right? I mean, yeah. and you you hear it because you're around it. But I think you would probably could also agree or, or could also acknowledge that. Um, there is certainly an element of this legitimizing a business that has not been looked at as the most legitimate business in the past. Right. So super excited about it.
2: Super excited. You know, when I think about, um, you know, we had David Welch on talking about cannabis and all the progress he's making. And then um, you're working on a consumption lounge with one of your clients. And then, you know, this app, I mean, cannabis is, and we actually have another uh, shout out to Tim Dodd, who's a wonderful client of ours. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of cannabis talk going on and I think that you were kind of spot on, um, in developing this app and, um, it's the future. It's the future. And so it can also be applied to other regulated industries, right?
1: Sure. So it could be applied to, for example, STRs, which is short-term rentals, which are hearing a lot of, um, discussion and I don't want to say arguments, but certainly, pointed discussions between your airbnbs and your vrbo's your short-term rental companies Mm -hmm. and municipalities and that's because there's probably an element where the cities don't know exactly how much money the str companies are making so for example a Veritel could go in and again in a very non-invasive manner monitor the workings and the sales and the rentals of the str without um, divulging any of the personal private information of the particular STR owner. Right. So I think I think there's a huge value for that because and, and obviously the STR companies have a, a, a high interest in protecting the privacy of their, not their customers, their clients. right. Uh, so I think we offer a service that recognizes that, adheres to that, respects the privacy, and also allows the cities, for example, to feel a level of comfort in that they are collecting the appropriate amount of taxes for the short-term rentals. So that's exciting, too. And there's even eventually um, the use or a contemplated use in taverns and bars, which is something I'm obviously familiar with. When yeah. you get audited by the city or, or they come in and they say, hey, we want to see your books. And, and it's not uncommon. You know, a lot of our clients go through this. and. Really, instead of now going through the whole process of having your books audited and and you know sitting in a room and going line by line over your income and and then having to explain uh, discrepancies or, or say you know for example, and this this is actually an example that happened. Um, <coughs> one of our clients' sales were off thirteen or fourteen percent from the year before, and the city inquired as to that, and the owner, the operator, had to explain that. Uh, on account of construction his restaurant was getting a third of the uh traffic that it was used to and you could easily drive down the street and see that there was construction all over the Mm. street but if no one from the city drives by and looks at that then they would never know whereas with vertel what you could do is you could program in parameters so your parameter for example could say if the sales for wednesday last week are 15 percent more or 15 percent less or seven percent more or seven percent less or whatever you want you program in these parameters and if the parameters are breached then you would get an alert that says that there was unusual activity or activity that wasn't in keeping with prior records Mm -hmm. so it really again it really empowers the city and enables the cities and the municipalities to have a a true understanding of what the revenues are.
2: I love that. And I actually can't wait to get more involved. Um, Shout out to Jason.
1: Jason Hone and Adam Rogus.
2: Yes. Wonderful guys and partners on the project. geniuses behind
1: the project. Exactly. For sure.
2: Um, So, hey, can we talk about Bike Shed or is it too soon? No, I think we can. Yeah. Okay. Because I I love them. Dutch and Vicky. Dutch and Vicky and and Stu, who's wonderful too. And Um, they're bringing
1: just heat to L.A.
2: I, you know, every time I talk to them, there's this um, like inspiration that comes with them, you know, like they have such positive energy and they're so knowledgeable, but yeah. humble, but like real. I, You know, they're just like I, I can never get enough of them.
1: Well, I think every time I spend time with them, the impression that I'm left with is I've never met people who love what they do more.
2: Mm, yeah, right? they, they live it. They truly. live it.
1: Every part. I mean, from their appearance to their of this this code this ethical code of how to treat people and and it's all very in keeping with this this motorcycle um this motorcycle train of thought and and belief and kinship and friendship and they just live it so
2: so let's actually for those who don't know what bike shed is it's huge in the uk
1: yeah shoreditch in london
2: in london and and so my understanding is that there's um there is a membership aspect, but they also open it up to the public.
1: They do. So their little tagline, which I absolutely love, is for members and non-members only, mm-hmm. which I thought was just so cute. Yeah, right? totally. Because there's a lot of private clubs, and and the private clubs are, are membership-based, so people can come in but, or they can't come in. Bike Shed does it a little bit differently where everybody's welcome, but there's certain aspects of the club or certain events or, or certain projects that you might not be – Uh, allowed to attend if you're not a member Um, so but I think that's really fun because I think it it still enables everybody to go and experience bike shed it just gives you a little bit of an extra benefit or Mm -hmm. added benefit if you happen to be a member of bike shed so we are currently finishing and finalizing a deal in um, Los Angeles to bring bike shed here and I think huge space yeah huge space and just epic space yeah I think it's going to be uh, without given any geography about where it's going to be, you couldn't imagine a better location or a better building or just a a um, synergy amongst everything. It feels like the perfect storm. Every time Dutch and Vicky and Stu are here, we're kind of all sitting around going, "Gosh, how serendipitous is this?" Yeah. So, you know. So and it just keeps happening. So these are the kind of projects I think that um, you start realizing you you're fortunate enough to be involved in. Once in every long while, it might be every three or four or five years that one of these comes along. Yeah. But when it does, you just see that the stars kind of continually align for certain people. Mm-hmm. And if you can be a part of that project where the stars are aligning, it's it just inevitably is a fun ride.
2: I definitely see you perk up a little bit around them. Like they have your attention and, you know, you're amazing to all of your clients, but there's a, there's a unique relationship there for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, they're just passionate. Yeah. Right? So you sit with them for 15 minutes and you, you, you leave with, with energy, mm-hmm. right? You leave. Yeah. I get that experience yeah, too. You leave kind of imbued with this, this energy and the strength and, and, and passion. So you can't spend time with them without leaving better than you started.
2: Yeah, that's so amazing because I got to say my preconceived notion of, you know, I have uh, I have a good group of friends that ride motorcycles and you know I'm too scared to get on one. But um, (laughs) but you you know, know,
1: Vicky's gonna make you.
2: I don't know. You know, she might. I might. Maybe Stu. I don't know. It just I'm terrified of getting thrown off the back of one. Is all. Um, But I think that you know. Through, like, movies and the image that's portrayed with bike riders, you think of, like, motorcycle gangs or maybe it's just me. But then I meet them and, like, of course, my my friends who ride. And I'm like, they're just people. So you and just
1: thought everybody was in a motorcycle I game.
2: kind of thought, well, <laughs> when I think about this motorcycle <laughs> club, I'm like, who goes there, you know? And I'm picturing these, like, um, Scary leather cut-off people. jackets yeah. and, then, um, and then, like, the big long beards and they have... You know, and they're mean, and they're scared. yeah. But well, then, but no, then you, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's like a high-end motorcycle club, right? Totally.
1: Yeah. And and well, maybe not necessarily high-end, but just inclusive. It could be high-end. It could be low-end. But it's, it's the vibe. You're yeah. right.
2: It's the vibe that they create. It's like yeah. everyone's it's everybody. welcome. Everybody's welcome. And, and but when you're here, be a good person. It's yeah. also the vibe. Totally. Love it.
1: Which is is interesting because I went to high school and uh, college in Florida, so I was intimately. Uh, aware of uh, Bike Week and bike toberfest and all oh, that. things. Oh, really? Yeah. So you would have people rolling in their bikes, and you're talking hundreds of thousands of bikers, and it's funny because you see them, and they all come rolling in, and, you know, the ladies are dressed a certain way, and the guys are dressed a certain mm. way. But it's funny because then they park their bikes, and they get off, and, you know, you meet them at Bannigan's or somewhere, <laughs> TGI Friday's, right, somewhere that was very popular in Daytona, and you start talking to them, and, they say, "Oh, this gentleman's a lawyer in in Georgia, and this hmm. gentleman is an accountant in North Carolina, and so this, much yeah, more, this lady yeah. is a a newscaster." So it was really, really cool to see the diversity of people that just felt this kinship to motorcycles.
2: Yeah, well, they definitely opened my eyes up, and I love them, and can't wait to see this this new bike shed out here in Los Angeles. Um, quick shout out to Amin over at Azunia. Thank I you had for dinner with
1: them. It was amazing.
2: I know I'm. I know I'm actually seeing him uh, soon. So very excited about that. And um, we have to go, guys. We're out of time. But thank you so much for tuning in.
1: And hit us with any questions or thoughts. Yeah, or questions, ideas, thoughts, or, ideas yeah.
2: for shows. Uh, we want to hear from you. Hit us at the future of law on Instagram, and then the Charles Lou and the Jenna Ben. And if you want to learn more about some of the projects we discuss, check out thelufirm.com. Click the Charles Lou tab and poke around. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon.
1: Thanks, fam.